Bitter memories often prevent progress in international relationships, the more so when they are countered by proud memories on the other side. India's relations with China vividly illustrate this reality. On Saturday, October the 20th, 1962, China's People's Liberation Army attacked at various points along China's border with India, thereby elevating an ongoing territorial dispute into a brief but bitter border war. It seemed to be decisive, but in reality it wasn't. The territorial dispute continues until today. Arguably, the dispute is no nearer a solution than it was 52 years ago. It may even be further away. First, though, a word about the main reason for the war. The two nations fought over their 3,500-kilometer border. Even that conventional measurement is subject to dispute. In December 2010, the then Indian ambassador to China, in an interview with the Global Times of Beijing, gave the border's length as 3,488 kilometers. The government mouthpiece then added a footnote that the Chinese government often refers to the border as being about 2,000 kilometers. That figure had earlier also been used by Xinhua News Agency. I suspect this greatly reduced figure may conceal increased Chinese territorial claims. India's border with China, as the Indians calculated, is divided into three sectors: the eastern, the middle, and the western sectors. In 1962, the eastern sector still bordered India's northeast frontier agency. Nifa, for short, today Nifa has long since become the Indian state of Arunachal Pradesh. The central sector of the border, the least controversial part, borders the two Indian states of Uttarakhand and Himachal Pradesh. The eastern sector borders the remote Ladakh region of Indian Kashmir and includes the remote and uninhabited and contested area of Aksai Chin. In 1962, the border conflict should have been expected, but it took both India's people, India's government, and even India's military by surprise. Much of the surprise was understandable, even if, in some cases, the absence of Indian intelligence was unforgivable. The border was, and still is, the main source of the Sino-Indian conflict. How had that conflict arisen prior to 1962? When the People's Republic of China was formed in 1949, India, under Prime Minister Jawaharlal Nehru, made a point of being the second democracy after Burma to diplomatically recognize it. When China sent the PLA to liberate Tibet in 1950, there was widespread unease in India. But Nehru, while asserting that the British bestowed Makmahan Line would continue to be the Indo-Tibetan border, insisted that the improvement in Sino-Indian relations must continue. China refused to accept the Makmahan Line as the border, but in 1954 the two countries signed an agreement on Tibet, which incorporated the five principles of peaceful coexistence. The first two of which were mutual respect for each other's territorial integrity and sovereignty, and mutual non-aggression. In the wake of this development, the Chinese Premier Zhou Enlai visited Delhi while Nehru visited Beijing for the first of several inconclusive discussions. 
Sino-Indian togetherness seemingly reached a high point after India insisted that China be invited to the Afro-Asian Solidarity Conference at Bandung in 1955, despite the opposition of Cold War hawks such as Ceylon Prime Minister Sir John Kotalawala. Joe and Nehru met in Bandung. They seemed to get on splendidly, but beneath the bonhomie, Nehru increasingly worried about the Chinese maps, which included substantial parts of India within the Middle Kingdom, while Mao Zedong increasingly believed that Tibetan restiveness was being stimulated by India. Then, in 1959, the Dalai Lama fled from Tibet and took refuge in India, which inevitably further aroused Chinese hostility. In the following years, there were an increased number of border clashes between units of India's and China's military forces. In April 1960, Zhou Enlai paid another visit to Delhi, but lengthy border talks still ended in deadlock. Later in the same month, India published an official's report, a detailed study of all historical documents, records, maps and other materials relevant to the boundary question as a basis for resolution of the conflict. China refused to acknowledge the report. In July 1962, China changed this negative attitude, but still no joint discussions took place. Border skirmishes continued. Both nations appeared increasingly intransigent towards each other. So late in the evening of October the 19th, 1962, but mostly on October the 20th, China launched a massive multi-pronged attack all along the border. Given the way I have briefly summarised these developments, the onset of a war should have been widely anticipated and also viewed as inevitable. As far as I can see, no border accord between the two nations had ever been rumoured, let alone attained. The two nations remained far apart. So why, in 1962, were so many Indians still taken by surprise? First and last, there was one main reason for Indian myopia, and it is interesting that in the limited amount of Indian press commentary during the 50th anniversary in 2012, it was barely mentioned at all. The main reason for surprise was the pervasive Indian belief, delusion would be a better word, that Hindi, Chini, Bai, Bai, that Indians and Chinese are brothers. I first met this Hindi, Chini, Bai, Bai, when I first visited India in the late 1950s, when the euphoria generated by that 1955 Bandung Afro-Asian Solidarity Conference was still strong. Frequently, one ran up against a Hindi-Chini brick wall. Wasn't India being a trifle naive in diplomatically assuming ever-improving relations with communist China? Of course not. Hindi-Chini, bye-bye. Had India been tough enough in negotiating border and other issues with the Chinese? You are British. You do not understand. Hindi-chini, bye-bye. Surely it will be a difficult task to ensure that a huge nation like China gets on well with another huge nation like India. Don't be silly. You simply don't appreciate. Hindi-chini, bye-bye. And so it went on. I had rational questions. On the issue of China, Indians frequently tended to have one emotional answer. Since Indians and Chinese were brothers, everything would come right in the end. But it didn't and it hasn't. 
Of course, Hindi Chini Bai Bai was also tied up with the lingering anti-colonialism of newly independent India. It was still difficult for Indians, even relatively high officials, to stoutly defend the past positions of British Indian officials dealing with the complex border issue, even though independent India's adoption of past border policies really required that they do so. The fervent belief that Hindi Chini Bai Bai conversely required that Indians assume the best about China when rail politics clearly demanded a far more realistic view. Hence the widespread Indian surprise and shock and bitterness when instead India was on the receiving end of the worst. I have long wondered whether some academic would produce a thorough study of the Hindi Chini Bai Bai phenomenon how it arose, what it signified, who encouraged it, and so on. But so far I have not come across any such publication. Did Nehru and his Congress party initially support the bye-bye illusion in the awareness that securing peaceful coexistence between democratic India and communist China would in any case be a hazardous process and was therefore in need of some emotional shortcuts? Could it be that Nehru and those around him actually believed in Sino-Indian Brotherhood and were as disappointed as most other Indians when it turned out to be an illusion? Could it even be that Hindi Chini Bai Bai was thought to be a belated manifestation of Gandhian teaching while Nehru actually lacked Gandhi's endlessly shrewd ability to marry ideal postures to practical politics? Whatever it was, the passionate belief in brotherhood was married to a passionate hypocrisy as far as China was concerned. For while few knew about it at the time when the border war broke out, it later transpired that India had been pursuing a secret forward policy from 1961 onwards. Both in the eastern and the western sectors, Indian border posts were advanced to better buttress India's territorial claims. Most of these were prime Chinese targets and were wiped out by the brief 1962 Chinese offensive. In the end, the Sino-Indian border war lasted a day over one month. Late in October 1962, Zhou Enlai suggested a return to moderation and negotiation. Under the pressure of Chinese guns, Nehru naturally refused. The PLA then launched an offensive which carried them deeper into Nifa in the east and strengthened their control in the west. Desperate at the growing crisis, Nero turned to the Americans for military help and was just about to get it when, on November the 19th, Joe Enlai proclaimed a unilateral ceasefire to come into operation on November the 21st with Chinese troops withdrawing, quote, to positions 20 kilometres behind the line of actual control which existed between China and India on the 7th November 1959, unquote. As the media reported it at the time, China had fulfilled Mao Zedong's stated aim of punishing India and had won a notable victory. It was rarely reported at that time, but what probably mattered most to Mao Zedong was that he had gone some way towards restoring his battered prestige, consequent upon the folly and the ensuing starvation of his great leap forward. What probably worried Premier Zhou Enlai was the realisation that his dream of negotiating a lasting border agreement with India had just been blown apart by his boss. 
In reality, what actually happened in 1962 was that both China and India had gone down to partial victory coupled with long-term defeat. First and last, the 1962 border war proved the utter folly of trying to use force of arms to solve long-lasting territorial disputes, a useful though still unlearned lesson as China today uses threats of force to try and solve long-running territorial disputes in the South China and East China Seas. What happens when force is used is that territory fought over becomes part of the sacred foreign turf of the motherland or the fatherland, which must be defended at all costs. The use of force, whether brief or prolonged, means that all hopes of an agreed compromise fly out through the window and seldom return. An agreed Sino-Indian territorial compromise was always both obvious and possible. Nifa, and now Aranachal Pradesh, has always been where the Makmahan line put it, on the Indian side of the border, with an Indian-related population. There is no Chinese minority pining for China to acquire sovereignty. Aksai Chin, 37,000 square miles of high-altitude desert with no human habitation, serves only to facilitate 180 kilometers of the 1,200-kilometer Xinjiang-Tibet Highway, which the Chinese built in the 1950s. In 1899, the McCartney-McDonald line placed Aksai Chin within China. It was only in 1953 that Nehru whimsically decided to make it part of India. India has never controlled Aksai Chin. China has never controlled what is now Aranachal Pradesh. All that is required is an agreement under which Chinese officials stop claiming Aranachal is Chinese territory and Indian officials stop claiming Aksai Chin belongs to India. But as a result of a brief war 52 years ago, such a compromise is not likely either now or even in the foreseeable future. Tension and occasional fighting over Sino-Indian border will probably be constant. Amazingly, just before Chinese President Xi Jinping arrived in India for a visit last year, Chinese troops provoked an incident with Indian forces high in the Himalayas. That visit went ahead, but it was not the success it might have been. This week... History repeated itself as Prime Minister Narendra Modi did what Nehru declined to do and further enhanced already improved ties with the United States. 